I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I'm going to talk about ABC's latest uh, family dramedy. Yeah, let's go with dramedy. Um, the Wonder Years, but black. Another Lee Daniels production. Um, and despite the snark in my voice, I have other feelings about the show. So I'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I am talking to you as I am enjoying a UFO pumpkin. Hold on. What is it called? A, uni- a UFO journey to the planet pumpkin seasonally spiced and brewed with real pumpkin puree beer. Yes, I am embracing the fuss. I went out and I got um, pumpkin spice beer. Um, I've got some pumpkin spice coated pretzels. I'm about to, after this, um, after I finish recording, I'm about to make pumpkin spice popcorn. Um, I have pumpkin spice uh, Cheerios. I've embraced it. And I'm about to go get some pumpkin spice tea because I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. Um, I'm about to go get some pumpkin spice tea and just really sat in the basicness that is all things pumpkin spice because while it is trendy and cool to hate on pumpkin spiced things and while certainly basic people have just taken all the joy out of flavors and seasonal flavors I'm going to embrace it and I've done that and I'm going to continue to do that because can't nobody tell me a grown person what I should like what I shouldn't like um because it's not cool are you kidding I never do anything because people tell me not uh, people tell me to do it or not to do it. I'm my own person. Plus I'm anti. Anyway, so I, if you say yes, I will think of a way to say no. Just because that is my nature. Um, and anyway, so here I am imbibing on this beer. I don't even like beer like that, for real. Honestly, you know what I do? I, I When the mood suits me of an autumn or of a Christmas season mostly a Christmas season, I get um, Mad Elf. Here's the thing. I don't like beer. I can stand malts, but you know why I don't like beer so much? Because it feels like I'm drinking, I'm eating my drink. Because it feels so full. I get so full, you know what I mean? It's all those calories and things. And plus it's like, I feel like somebody made beer on a dare. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I don't want to drink water. So let me ferment this stuff. See what it'd be like. You know what I mean? Like, let me brew up these plants. These, um, bar- this barley. Let me brew this up. And stow it away. Remember, uh, I think somebody told me, and I think it's true, that beer was invented by monks in the mountains in Germany or something like that, Belgium or whatever. I'm not going to Google it. Anyway, it's, it, it's a European inven- invention. And you know, you know, in those... Dark ages, they was bored. You know what I mean? And being a monk and living on a mountain, 
you know, you, you tend to experiment because what else are you going to do other than praise the Lord and give offerings? And, and then when you're not doing that, like you got to find something else. But I just it's curious that the something else was brewing liquor. Um, wonder if they took communion with it anyway. Um, but nevertheless, beer in itself isn't the tastiest thing in the world to me. And plus it makes me feel full. But when it comes to the flavored things, the, the, the mad elf, tro, what is it? Troig? So I was introduced. The only reason why I even know anything about it is because it comes out of Pennsylvania. Because apparently, apparently, there's a lot of, uh, what is it, Mennonite? It's not the Amish. Anyway, there's a group of folks who practice a form of Christianity, but they speak Pennsylvania Dutch. So it, they, they speak a form of Dutch. I think they're Mennonites. It's not the Amish. It's not the Amish. I think they're Mennonites. Anyway, um, anyway, they're up in Pennsylvania. And why am I talking? Oh, I don't think they, <laughs> they invented Troy, uh, Troy's Mad Elf. But anyway, the only reason why I know, I don't even know why the heck. Why in the heck did I talk about the Mennonites? Could, can't call it. Anyway, they don't drink. They don't smoke. They, they're not supposed to do anything, and they only own black items, like black-colored items. Huh. Anyway, um, don't know why that came up. Guess I just really wanted it. It was on my spirit. You know what I mean? It was on my heart um, to bring it up. So anyhow, but I was introduced to flavored beers. And, well, more so malts. Uh, uh, Mad Elf is a malt. Anyway, it's up there out of Hershey, Pennsylvania. I Somehow or another, I was thinking about the Amish and the Mennonites. There's another sect. There's another like religious community whose name is escaped me, my dear. But um, anyway, it's in that same vein, very separatist, uh, different denomination of Christianity. And there's a language piece there and everybody dresses in some old timey 1800s type clothes. Um, Anyway, somehow or another, Hershey, Pennsylvania. I don't know why I started talking about them. There's a thought that was coming and it's gone now. Maybe it's because of this beer. Anyway, um, but no, so I got introduced to flavored beer because of the, the people that I work with who are very enthusiastic about beers and malts um, and things like that. And so while... Beers aren't my favorite thing. I actually, this, this UFO beer I'm drinking actually is uh, an actual beer. It's not a malt, but the, the, uh, Mad Elf is a malt and I enjoy that more. Although I can't drink a whole bottle of it or, you know, I can drink a glass of it, but it's going to take me a minute to drink the glass because it's so filling. Um, yeah, I'm just not a, if I'm honest, I'm not a drinker for real, but like if I do drink, I, uh, Sometimes it's wine, most times it's like a moonshine, if I'm honest, which seems extreme, right? But there's something about the moonshine that allows me to know my limits. Um, Mixed drinks, don't really know what's going on until I stand up. Um, Don't really understand my limits because they come in various sizes. Beers feels like it's it's too much of a hassle to get where you're going. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to feel lifted, like, feels like you got to drink a bunch of them. Now, mind you, I'm a lightweight, so a bunch is probably three. But it, for me, anyway, but you get my meaning, like, seems like you got to drink a lot to get where you're going or where you desire to go. 
Wine, on the other hand, my goodness. You know why I don't like drinking wine? Because, baby, those headaches, that wine headache is not something that is appropriate. And also, it's not... Me and wine have a love-hate relationship, and if I'm honest, most of the time I appreciate wine better when it is paired with a dish. So then we go to beers and things, and, and you don't have to... <laughs> moonshine, you don't have to pair that with a particular dish. Just make sure you eat <laughs> is the thing with moonshine. Um, and beer, I mean, I am pairing these things with savory things, uh, spicy things, because it just blends better. But I imagine, actually, no, I take that back because I just had one of those um, pumpkin pretzels and the, the sweetness of the pumpkin pretzel pulled out the sweetness in the, the hint of sweetness in this pumpkin beer. So anyway, um, what the heck was I talking about? Oh, I'm just embracing, I'm just enjoying embracing the flavor. Um, embracing this mood that I'm in for now. And I will go back to not imbibing at all, depending on what's going on in my life. Um, I'm actually doing this now because should any, should my, uh, should anything change in my status in terms of motherhood? Well, I'm going to get it out my system. Um, or at least until, un, until I give birth, Lord willing. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm just doing something because I can. But um, why in the heck was I talking? Oh, I was just excited to talk about it. Just excited. It's the fall, you know, got, um, went to the... Um, I was about to say beautician. Went to the nail shop. You know what I mean? Around the corner from the from the place. Um, turned into the, you know, the spicy colors. You know, the warm fall darker colors because we're walking into October. Um, you know, and I want to be ready. We're it's fall now, so you know you need to act accordingly. Um, went ahead and debuted my. Um, I went ahead and put on that, uh, my Beyonce, uh, boiler suit, put a belt on it, y'all. One of the last times that I can wear my, um, my toes out, had my, my platform sandals on, put a belt on, uh, tied my hair up. Cause you know, my locks kind of, I just kind of pile them on top of my head at this point sometimes. Cause it's just easier than, than I'm hanging long. So I piled them on top of my head and wrapped my hair in a nice African print, Kenzie cloth, um, African print, Kenzie cloth um, scarf, walks around and thought I was doing all of it. And I got compliments. So I looked cute. It's still oversized as all get out. But like, I don't think I am going to get it tailored because I don't know, like a fitted jean jumpsuit would probably get on my nerves in the, in the summertime. And a fitted jean jumpsuit probably would also get on my nerves in the wintertime because it's all about layers in the wintertime. And I don't know that I want a fitted jumpsuit. Now, I might change my mind. But right now, the way I feel, it's more so of a petty note. I didn't already pay, what, $200? Close to $200 for this jumper. I'm not, this jumpsuit, I'm not finna pay a dollar more. Let alone, what, 50 or more, 80 to get it tailored? No, I'm not. Mm-mm. 
I'm gonna make this thing work. And plus it doesn't actually look bad. I think I was just frustrated and overwhelmed by the fact of how huge it was and the fact that my silly self did not repeat, did not scroll down in the pictures and, and, and go to the description where it said that it was oversized. So if you want a tighter fit size down, it clearly said that in the description, but my silly self gonna scroll through the pictures and literally see the models and how baggy it looked on the models. Except, and then, and then, uh, but let Beyonce's picture influence me. I'm so silly. Like that was the, but I'm not alone. I saw the YouTube, you saw them too. Of people buying those chaps and wondering how the heck they was gonna make those things work. Uh, it was more so the chaps. I think the other clothes, people figured it out, like the, the snap button skirt. Um, I'm curious about how they made that, that boxy old uh, blazer, that crop blazer work, because that was never going. I knew, I know for a fact, like my shoulders, I've got sturdy shoulders, so I could pull off, you know, a, a square um, a square blazer, but not, a, not no crop top, baby. Like what? Like I got to go buy other clothes to fit with it. And those pants that came with it, you must be joking. You must be kidding. I'm not wearing those. Those pants were ridiculous. I bet you can see them on her site, uh, the Ivy Park. You might could see. You might could still see them. But um, no, that was never going to be in my in my um, wardrobe. For two seconds though, y'all, that bodysuit called to me. And even after, I think I shamed it because I, I think I talked about it whenever it, whenever this dropped can't call when it dropped but whenever it dropped I think I talked about that bodysuit but like I'd be lying if I didn't share if I wasn't honest about the fact that that bodysuit ran through my my mind for a long time but ultimately it was the denim thong aspect of it that just reminded me that it was a good decision not to move forward with that and then thank god everybody else bought them up and so I'm like okay well there's nothing to buy and it's not going to be restocked, so it is what it is. But that, that bodysuit was running through my brain, for real. Because I was really thinking about the ways that I could make that thing work. And it's true. Like, I could have accessorized that thing and it would have been bomb. But, like, how uncomfortable. And how long are you going to be able to wear it? Because the only time you could be able to wear it for real and comfortably is in the summertime. And, baby, isn't it too hot for you to be wearing a denim thong jumps, uh, thong, um bodysuit or what do you call it not a body yeah yeah bodysuit mm so yeah it's there were a couple of other things on there that were interesting but not interesting enough and different enough for me to want to buy them except for those bucket hats i'm really frustrated i didn't get an ivy park bucket hat daggone it i wanted it and you know what would have been fly if i had gotten the denim bucket hat the reversible one the denim blue bucket hat to go with my denim blue jumpsuit boiler suit now i'd have felt right as rain on that i i to be honest with you i think i'd have set that thing out i really would have but i just could not get down with paying 45 dollars for no bucket hat are you kidding 45 dollars for a bucket hat that you can go anywhere else and get for two dollars five dollars at the most because that's that's because you're being fancy get real 45 dollars for a bucket hat but at the same time i did pay almost 200 dollars for a jig well I will justify this dream jean boiler suit because it's actually good quality. It's like Levi's quality, like good jeans, Levi's quality. Not that, not that scrunchy, 
scratchy, Squ- um, stretchy stuff. It's not stretchy. It's straight up denim and it's good quality and it's heavyweight too. Um, it reminds me of my, my daddy's coveralls, but, um, yeah, it's like good quality. So I'll give you that because for real, if you're going to buy some heavy duty denim jeans, they're going to run you like $50, like for real, 45, 50 for some just jeans, let alone a jumpsuit. That makes sense to me. Um, but you know, the up, the upcharge for real, let's be for real. The upcharge is that it's Ivy Park. So that's what makes it more expensive. But, um, yeah, I just wish I would have paid more attention, gotten in a smaller size. I wouldn't feel like I really have to do so much to make it work. I probably still had to belt it, but anyway. Um, but nevertheless, I had that out. I was doing my thing, got some compliments, felt good about it. Kept it moving, going to keep it moving. We'll definitely add that to the winter outfit, um, the winter wardrobe. Just got to think about how I'm going to style it in the winter though because I think the reason why I was able to get away with it today when I wore it today um the only reason why I was able to get away with it is because I could roll the arms up you know I could roll the sleeves up I rolled the pant legs up and I had the um the front is a zipper it's not a snap which I love it's a it's a zipper I, I love this fact because snaps kind of I have other boiler suits I got um Oh, some cotton boiler suits from, um, from Target. Um, I got a gold one and I got a, um, lavender one and they're both really cute. Um, and they fit me very well, but there's, there's something left to be desired. You know what I mean? They're not fitted like it's tighter, but it's not like the legs are a little short. You know what I mean? It's a little, it cinches in the waist, but like, it's still kind of blah. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, if the crotch, my, my frustration is the crotch is dropped because it's like something that someone who identifies as a male would typically wear. Like, again, I go back to my dad's um, coveralls. It looks just like some coveralls that you would wear when you were out on the farm or you were out in a steel mill or you were out, you know, working in uh, working in the garage, the car, the car shop or whatever you know what I mean one of those type of coveralls and so I just that's frustrating but other than that like it's cool I'm I'm gonna continue making it work I'm gonna figure it out I'll probably get some platform I'll probably wear it with some platform boots it's probably how I'm gonna have to play that because again I have to when I tell you I have to roll up the sleeves and roll up the pant legs I'm not talking about just one little inch wide cuff I'm talking about Doggone, like, to be honest with you, I could roll up, I could roll up the pants leg about a half a foot to a foot. I'm like, definitely just over a half a foot, a half a foot. And it would still be at my ankles. Now, if I went a whole foot, it would be above my ankles. But you get what I mean? That's how long the pant legs are right now. And again, I'm just not into getting the thing tailored. Not to mention the arms. So that's how long the legs are. The arms are so long. I roll it up. I roll it up, push it up, you know, about, again, a half a, half a, about five inches. I roll it up about five inches and it still goes to my wrist. That's how long the, the arms are. But I can deal with that because you just 
roll it up again, push it up, and you call it a day. And if you look, if you go on Ivy Park's website, and if the boulder suit is still up there, the picture of Beyonce in that thing, she had to roll her sleeves up several times, even though hers is clearly fitted. Clearly it's fitted because the crotch is pulled up, because duh. Um, but yeah, she had that thing fitted, but she didn't have it so fitted that she didn't, she still wanted to show you like you can still tell that she needed to push up the arms a little bit to make it fit her. So anyway, I I, I don't I'm cool with it. I'm a, I'm gonna make it work. It's gonna be cute. I'm gonna look cute as I always do, and I'm gonna keep it pushing. But anyway, um, so let me hasten on. Um, there are a bunch of different things moving around. I think the biggest thing, and hopefully by the time this episode releases, I, I'll be able to have an addendum to it. Um, and make a note, but the thing that's running around my social media at the moment is the fact that um, Kelly Price is missing. Or let me put it this way. Um, Kelly Price's family says they haven't seen her in months, plural. And so on the news, at the time of our recording this, by the t- well, by the time you're listening to this episode, like over the weekend, Definitely Friday, the Friday before this thing dropped, last Friday, if you're listening to this on release day. That's when it all dropped. If you were paying attention, if you were paying attention to this news, that's when you heard that Kelly Price's sister and some of her family members were like, yo, we haven't seen her in months. She's missing. There's officially been a missing missing persons report put out on her. Um, And then I heard... I heard maybe a couple of hours, maybe six or seven hours before I'm recording this today, um, that you know her attorney had put out a statement saying she's been found, she's all right. And then one of her sisters, or her sister, I can't, I don't know how many sisters she has, but someone who identifies as her sister said, no, 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 I haven't put eyes on her. Until I put eyes on her, you telling me she's been found is not good enough for me. So that statement makes me curious because one or two things is happening. One, Kelly Price is still actually missing and the lawyer is a part of some sort of massive cover-up and is not at liberty to say everything, but she really is missing, like missing, missing for real. Or two, Kelly Price don't want us to be seen by her family because some shady stuff went down and she no longer wants to be, either some shady stuff went down in the, in the scenario where she no longer wants to be seen by her family, some shady stuff went down and she no longer wants to associate with them. Or somebody has gotten in her ear and made her separate herself from her family. And in this whole story, I, got, I confess, I haven't read too, too much about it other than seeing all the posts from, you know, I'm a member of Sigma Gamma Rho, and so... The Atlanta, the biggest uh, chapter in Atlanta, um, this, the biggest Sigma Gamma Row chapter in Atlanta, which I think that's the chapter that um, Kelly belongs to, put out something on social saying, praying for um, Kelly Price's friends and family. She is officially missing and has been for months. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this is like for real, for real. And then I go and then I start seeing ABC News. I, saw, I start seeing it in all the U.S. media that Kelly Price is missing. And then I read the report that her sister says, we have not seen hide nor hair from her. Heard a thing in the world from her in two months. Since what they say, August, August something. 
And and I'm just like, for real? Like, for real? And you know, if you even listen to some, if you even listen to some um, crime shows like I do, that's not good when you don't hear from somebody. Usually, especially somebody high profile like that, it's because something has happened. Something drastic has happened. And in the scenario, that's what I said. Like, it's either one or two things. She's for real, for real missing and some harm has come to her or she has separated herself from her family. She doesn't owe the public anything. So that doesn't make me too concerned about whether or not she's appeared publicly. But that maybe she just don't want to be seen by her family right now because of whatever reason. And I thought I saw something about the man that Kelly was with was supposed to be a bad influence on her, but I don't, that's unsubstantiated. I have no, seen, you know how rumors go on social. I didn't too much put any stock into that. But what I do know is that um, the, all the news reports were saying as of Friday, the 23rd that Kelly Price was missing. And if I go on my Twitter right now and I, I look up Kelly Price, Be a King, Bernice King, Bernice King, 22 hours ago posted, we need to see Kelly Price live and sharing that she is safe. Again, this is an answer to her attorney saying that Kelly Price was safe. Again, leading back to my piece that the, the lawyer knows something, either that she's missing and they're not at liberty to say anymore until things are confirmed or that she don't want to be found because she's doing her new, she's doing her, her own thing. Um, Joanne Reed, uh, from the, uh, she has a show, I think on MSNBC. Um, she's talking about something that Chris Evans posted. Chris Evans, a regular person, not Chris Evans, the actor posted a note from, Somebody saying uh, Kelly Price's sister disputes attorney attorney's statement that Kelly is safe and sound. I have not seen my sister in months until we physically see my sister. We don't know anything months, plural, y'all. That's the thing that's bugging me out. Um, yeah, just a bunch of, of blue star blue check people. Blue check people talking about she's missing. Yeah, and then there's this one thing that kind of really, really scared me. But again, this is, let me just read this statement that TMZ posted, which TMZ, take it with a grain of salt. I will say that TMZ was the first news report. That was the first place where I heard that Michael Jackson had died. And this was literally meant like 20 minutes, less than an hour after he died, which let me know that TMZ was unscrupulous enough to get the juice and get it no matter how they they didn't really care how they got us so along as they did get it anyway um uh, that's the perception that whether or not that's true that just feels that's just my perception um so this is a note her family tells tmz they were in touch with kelly while she was in the hospital in early august um and her children visited her several times um let me pause here before i move on kelly price allegedly um had COVID back in August and she was hospitalized to the point where she was hospitalized. That's how bad her COVID symptoms had gotten. And so this is what that's speaking to. So her children visited her several times back in early August. However, three weeks after she was admitted, 
we're told her kids got a call that she'd, she'd been discharged, which was surprising because she was apparently still not fully healthy. The family says Kelly has not been heard from since, and they told cops her boyfriend is allegedly keeping friends and family from visiting her home. Which is scary. Which is scary, scary. And so, yeah, so this is, this is the news as of 22. Uh, and again, the post that I just read from Bernice King, um, uh, Martin Luther King's daughter. And if you're not following Bernice King, you really do need to be following Bernice King. But even in this context, Bernice King said, you know what? I don't need a lawyer telling me she's safe and sound. I want to hear from Kelly saying that she's cool and she's safe and sound. If she don't want to be bothered, that's fine. If she don't, if she don't want to see her family, that's fine too. But this makes us worried. And I'm also wondering, I don't know how old uh, Kelly is. So I don't know how old her kids are. Let me, yeah, I have no idea how old her kids are, but if her kids saw her in early August, I have to assume that her kids aren't small. Like her kids are old enough to take care of themselves. You know what I mean? So like they're over 18, so they don't live with Kelly. Um, Because if that were the case, we might've heard, we might've heard that, you know, that the, the sister or the family say, we haven't seen Kelly or her kids. So anyway, that is just alarming. And so hopefully by the time this thing comes out, I will have a note, an update about that. But I don't know, man, we shall see. Um, but anyway, let me, let me hasten on since we'll put a pin in that and see if there are any updates and we'll move on. And today I'm going to talk about the Wonder Years, the 2021 Wonder Years with an all black cast produced by, executive produced by Lee Daniels, who has brought us things like, um, uh, what the heck is that? Uh, for Colored Girls, when uh, For Colored Girls, that movie, um, The Butler, um, Star, TV show Star that I never watched, um, and some other stuff. Um, Lee Daniels is not a favorite person of mine because he feels like, like, he feels, I don't know, he's just not one of my favorite people because I just don't, number one, I don't like a lot of his movies because they feel like hollow or they feel very respectability politicsy in a weird way. Um, and then also his answer to, I think I have not been a deep, deep fan of his, like I was never really moved by him, but I think I was never a deep, deep fan of his after he made the statement when asked why stars lead character was a white girl and, and the black women were supporting. Um, in his TV show, he uh, said, because it's time, we need that representation. And it just it was a dumb answer. It was a stupid answer. Like, he was trying to get uh, a white audience to, to watch the show. Um, he, wanted to, he wanted to branch out and get white people to watch the show. That's why he put... A, um, and, and again, I've not seen the show. I don't have anything against any of the actors. I just think his answer to that... 
His answer to that question told me everything I needed to know about that show and why I did not need to support it. Now, everybody swears that that show was wonderful and I thank them. I'm glad that that show did something for them. But as for me, nah, I don't want to support someone like him um, and the work that he does. And so I think the only reason why I was even interested in watching the first episode of this series was because Dulé Hill, and he's always been fine, and let's just be for real. And plus, it is good, it do feel good to see brown skin characters, different shades, but different shades of brown, of darker brown, but nevertheless, brown skin family on TV that do something to me. It really does. It really does. Like, that matters to me. Um, And so I will give you one episode And I will talk about that. And then I will, at the end of this episode, I will decide whether or not I'm actually going to finish watching. Because again, those star comments or the comments about his casting of star really rubbed me the wrong way. And I got to be honest with you, he seems shady. But like, am I going to throw away the production and like everything that he does because he's shady and all the good actors that he attracts? I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to do that. But anyway, while I think about the answer to that question and whether or not I'm going to watch The Wonder Years 2021, Wonder Years But Black, um, I'm just going to do what I typically do, um, is review the show the way I normally do, do, starting with the particulars, going in my initial thoughts, and then talking about the episode itself. So if you are new to the show, hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you, fam. Um... Yeah, if if this is your thing, stay tuned. If it's not your thing, I understand. Um, if at the end of the show you think it's cool and you want to rate it and subscribe, appreciate you. We'll read any positive reviews on the next episode because appreciate you. Um, and that's how you help make this show, you, you spread this show's influence. Because at the end of the day, this is a hobby of mine. It's something I enjoy doing. It gives me peace, it gives me joy, and I'm gonna continue to do it as long as those emotions are still something that I get when I do this show, when I produce this show. Um, So anyway, so thank you in advance for sharing if you are so inclined. Um, And leaving a positive message on any of the apps, but particularly the Apple app, um, Apple Podcast app. Um, And yeah, anyway, now that that's out of the way, appreciate you for listening. Um, And if you do come back, in the next segment, it's all about the first episode of 2021 Lee Daniels, The Wonder Years. Okay, so as soon as when I stopped recording, of course, I, <laughs> I, recorded, I, I recorded the intro, this, this, the first part of the show, I recorded it one. Saturday, and I thought I was gonna go back to it, but then I got sleepy because beer. And I started watching other stuff and loading up on other TV, and and um, I went absolutely nowhere. Long story short, these days I try to stay in the house unless I have to come out because man, I need to find balance. I honestly need to find balance because I'm I go to one from one extreme to the next. I give up all of my free time or I snatch it all back and I'm trying to find a balance. So I was in my snatch it all back phase. So anyway, but I didn't end up doing anything else, but I'm glad that I stopped 
and pick back up again because on Sunday, Kelly Price um, did an interview with TMZ um, and she looked healthy. She was coughing in the interview, if you haven't seen it. She was coughing and, and, tr- and it looked like she wasn't trying to catch her breath so much as it just, you know, you could tell that she looked like she was getting over a cold only. We know that she's getting over COVID and we know that the breathing part is the biggest issue. The respiratory issues are the, are the things that linger, um, especially for folks who are dealing with long COVID, the respiratory issues linger. And she even said in the interview that she, or in her statements, that she um, was not quite in her touring. Uh, she wasn't tour healthy yet or some, some variation of that phrase that, um, you know, and, and she said she was dealing with long COVID and, and then anyway, um, so it was exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it's not super shocking because I'm sure everybody else thought it too, especially if they knew more about the relationship between Kelly and her family. But Kelly is estranged from her sister, the same sister who, was making the statements and that her children, her youngest child is 27. So of course they wouldn't, she has COVID, you can't be in the house. And she also made a statement. I, I don't, did I look at, yeah, I looked at the whole interview. Um, unless, I, unless I'm confused, I saw it on, on um, Twitter. And anyway, she was saying that, you know, the people who, People did see me. The doctors and nurses who were caring for me saw me. My husband saw me. Um, and I was just convalescing. Now, why she didn't reach out to her child, her children, or at least the 27-year-old who is speaking with her sister that she's estranged from, I don't really know. And to be honest with you, that feels like family business that I don't need to know. I, I tell you, I tell you, it's like... People want to know so much about so much personal stuff about these families. I don't want to know the heartbreaking story behind the fact that two sisters aren't talking. Kelly said that she hasn't talked to her sister in over a year. That is over a year. So but well before they, they were, she, she said they weren't speaking before the pandemic. It's been a minute since I've talked to one of my sisters, but it's not because it's been on purpose. She, she just, we just be good. She has phone issues. Let's just be clear. She doesn't always keep her phone on. But it's not because that I don't want to talk to her. No, that's not true. I talked to her. That's not true. We talked in, um, we talked in August. That's not, that's, that's, but still like we don't, we don't call each other all the time. And I'm sure you and your siblings, maybe you have a relationship where you don't, you go a couple of months without talking to your siblings. And this particular sibling that I'm thinking about, it, it could be a couple of months before I, I talk to her, but like we are talking and it's not, it's not one of those on purpose things. You know what I mean? Um, we're not estranged. I'm not estranged from any of my siblings. We don't always talk all the time, but like, I don't, I can't imagine what that might be like to know that you have a sibling and you're not speaking with them. I don't want to know that. And I, I also, because the thing about it is, I can't sit up here. I can't sit in judgment of that. Because there's a reason that Kelly feels like there needs to be some distance between her and her sister. My daddy told me one time, this was recent, 
two brothers lived in the same city and they live in a, a small country town. Two, two brothers live in the same small country town um, or at least one lived in this one and the one lived, you know, the town ne- over, the next town over, but it was like less than 10 minutes, less than 20 for sure, to get from one's house to the other. And they hadn't spoken in years and one of them died. One of them died and I don't even think something, whatever happened to them, it was so deep that the one sibling only went to the funeral because their spouse insisted that they engage with the rest of the family. Like, I don't want to know that pain. I don't want to know the pain of why y'all are estranged. I don't want to know it. I don't care how small or how big it is. I don't want to know that because that seems super duper personal. Another narrative that came out of this whole thing was, well, I, I, where did that come from? Let me tell you where it come, came from. I saw somebody saying, one of those posts is saying, where is Kelly? We need to put our eyes on Kelly. I, um, um, Bernice King said, I, we want to see Kelly. We want to see Kelly, right? And uh, somebody I follow, I think it's... Um, Oh, who, who's on Twitter? If, oh my goodness, I hope you know who I'm talking about, but there's this, um, they do, there's this collective of women. One of their women, one of the women passed away, I think in the last six months. Um, but they do this thing on Wednesday. It's like messy Wednesdays or something like that, where they, people DM them stories and then they like tweets, tweet a layered story. So like, no longer than a particular, like a tweet, right? Um, or the characters that can be put in a tweet. What is it called? I forget what they're called. I've, I'm gonna look them up and hopefully I can remember. But um, anyway, that particular group, oh my gosh, I'm so mad now. I'm so mad now. on it. I... I couldn't even tell you how to... Anyway, it's a tweet collective and it's a black woman tweet collective. It's a collective that they have Twitter and it's like messy, messy, hold on, messy, messy, Wednesday. Of course, if I Google messy Wednesday, something else is going to come up other than what I want. Okay, what if I click Kelly Price because they were the ones and I just want to shed light on this group anyway. Oh, this is so frustrating because I'm not going to be able. Oh, let me just, you know what? Well, while I'm thinking about that, let me just say, so anyway, this Twitter, this group of women that I follow who do the like messy Wednesdays or messy Thursdays or something like that, where people send in ridiculous stories and then every, all of their followers like respond to the advice. It's basically, it's something like advice giving, but like the stories are wild, super wild. Anyway, they had sent an update. They had sent a message saying, let's find, we need to find Kelly. We want to hear from Kelly to know she's okay. And then they, you, in their, I guess in that same tweet thread, they posted what TMZ, the, the TMZ interview. And anyway, people were responding to it. And I, I caught it early and I, and I decided, oh, okay, this is not what I know. I see how this conversation is going. Because early on, there were, I think, the first five comments under it, under the thread. And mind you, this, this collective, they're super popular. So they got a lot of people following them, especially a lot of black, black and brown people following them. Anyway, 
but it's a black woman's collective. But anyway, um, the first, I would I dare say the first five comments were, um, and I'm gonna get back, I'm gonna get to the show in a minute, but the first five comments were like mixed. It was like, on the one hand, I'm glad she's okay. Her PR team could have handled this a little bit better. Um, because remember what I told, what I said in the, in the previous, um, in the intro was that her lawyer came out and said, oh, Kelly's fine. And so the lawyer was telling the truth. Usually lawyers kind of have to tell the truth. Um, they just shaded a little bit because they're lawyers and they're protecting their clients. Uh, but anyway, and you know, what that could have been handled differently. And I agreed with that tweet because you know, the hindsight is twenty twenty. but that lawyer who was the one that gave the statement in the first place should have been the one, not Kelly, but should, the lawyer should have been the one crafting the statement and, and making sure that it said what it was supposed to say. And, and but again, sometimes you're kind of in a rock, between, caught between a rock and a hard place. And then the very next uh, response after the, I'm glad she's safe, but the lawyer, her PR team should have handled this differently, was someone saying, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Basically calling it out as a stunt, calling this whole thing out as a stunt. And then the very next, basically saying, you know, I don't buy it. Why didn't she, she could have said something. It takes nothing to send a tweet. And the very next tweet after that said, Kelly don't owe you nothing. These celebrities do not owe you anything, especially when they're going through something as traumatic as a health scare, as a health crisis, which and according to Kelly's uh, interview, it was dire. And you need to look at that interview or read the transcripts or whatever if you don't su- support um, TMZ. But anyhow, the, that co- it was coming up. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, so you know, the, I don't buy it. She could have tweeted. And then the very next comment was like, she didn't know you nothing and relax. She, could, she didn't have to tell us a doggone thing. Her lawyer didn't have to tell us a doggone thing. I'm glad that she's safe and these celebrities don't owe you nothing. And then the very next one was back on what the other one was saying, like this something, something in the milk ain't clean. This is, this is something looks wild. And I said, you know what? It's, I'm, I'm about to check out. I'm about to check out. I looked at the interview and I got to be honest with you. In the interview, I was just making sure that I wanted, I, I think I was looking for authenticity and I think I got authenticity because at the end of the day, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be Kelly Price. I don't know what it's like to have living under a microscope and have serious health issues and family strain and wanting to, I don't even think her not sharing anything with the public was anything. I don't think that was a conscious decision. I think it was amplified and, and Kelly actually has alluded to this herself without going into too much detail. I think the whole thing was amplified by her sister who seemed like she wanted to capitalize on the spotlight on this opportunity here. That's what, that's what it felt like to me because when you're like real, real sick, case in point, my brother, um, one of my brothers, I can't remember if I shared this, but he had a massive stroke at the beginning of September, a massive stroke. Um, and he's doing wonderfully now. Like the, the human brain and the body and your will, my goodness, I just, anyway, but God truly does wonders. And my, my brother is really recovering well. He's got a, as my daddy said, he got a long road to hoe, but he's doing all right. Um, you know, 
anyway, I could, I could say so much more about that. But anyway, my brother's doing okay. But in the min- meantime, his, it, it was one of those situations where I had to be the notifier because his, uh, I had to be the notifier. So I had to reach out to all the siblings. I had to reach out to all the aunties, all the uncles, all the cousins. I was the notifier. And I missed a couple of people in the early, I was just, I missed a couple of people and it would be, it would be one of those things where like one day I would go down and I would have my list together and I'm like, okay, bam, bam, I think I got everybody. And then I wake up the very next morning and it's like, son of a gun, I gotta go notify everybody else. Um, or the, you know, boom, 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 because I missed them. And it was like, if you guys know anything about what I'm talking about, what sharing bad news with a family member, it's almost as if when you're telling that family member for the first time, it's almost as if uh, you're kind of reliving the first time you heard this really bad news each time you send the notification and it takes a lot out of you, but you do it anyway. And, but then add on top of it, like my one, I, I completely forgot my one brother, completely forgot him. And he's close to my heart. I don't know how I forget him. I just, I forgot him. And I told him and his first first response was, dang, and I'm just now finding out. And I, I said, charge it to the brain because it's not my, I, there's nothing else I could say, but charge it to my brain because certainly my heart, my heart didn't try to keep this from you. So <clears throat> anyway, I guess my point is, when, when something happens to you or something happens to your loved one, things get confused and notifying like being on social and notifying everybody, it's not priority. Like you go to the, your immediates, which is why I'm wondering what's the relationship like with Kelly and her 27 year old daughter? What's the relationship like? But clearly we kind of understand the relationship is strained with her particular sister, but that doesn't mean that all the kids didn't, you know what I mean? Kelly said that, that she felt like her sister turned her, turned her daughter. And again, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to hear nothing about that. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to, I don't want to, this is not a spectator sport. Severed relationships, strained relationships is not something that I just enjoy hearing about or enjoy like digging into and getting all the good gossip about it. That's not, that's somebody's for real life and I'm not into it. Um, which seems petty because I'm into other gossip, but it's something about those family strains that, that hit differently for me and I'm not into it. Okay. 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 Let me get to the heart of the matter. So right off the bat, if you Google the wonder years, you're automatically going to get the nineties version wonder years, the 90s uh, ABC show and this 2021 Lee Daniels show. So you literally have to, if you only want to get information about Lee Daniels, the Wonder Years, you have to put in the Wonder Years 2021 or some variation of that. And then when you do, then you'll see that it says that while the Wonder Years from the 90s was um, like a comedy drama, comedy drama, um, this Wonder Years, this 2021 version is a coming of age story. Um, and it, the synopsis is what is not too different than the, than the one, um, from the nineties, although because it's specific to black folks and this black family, these it's, it's a twist on it. So this coming, the coming of age story of a 12 year old black boy in Montgomery, Alabama 
in the late 1960s as told by his adult self. Um, and it, like I said, it originally um, was released on September 22nd. Um, there, by the time you're listening to this episode, there are two episodes, or by the time you're listening to this Bay Baltimore episode, there will have already been two episodes out. The show is narrated by Don Cheadle, who obviously, uh, it's narrated by Don Cheadle, who's, who's telling his life story. Um, telling his story as a 12 year old boy coming up in, in Montgomery, um, Alabama. Um, the network is ABC. As I said, the production companies are Lee Daniels Entertainment, Matthew 633, the Crest Lamp Company and 20th Television. Executive producers, Sal- Saladin K. Patterson, Lee Daniels, Mark Velez and Fred Savage. So Fred Savage is a part of this thing. Um, which is interesting because I'm going to come back to the point that Fred Savage is a part of this. Um, really quickly, Sal- Saladin K. Patterson, I actually think Saladin K. Patterson might be on the, if I'm not mistaken, he might be part of the Southside uh, series, that limited series on um, Comedy Central. Perhaps, can't call it, but I feel like that's this is the same guy. But let me come back to Fred Savage. So let's talk about the, how this thing has been viewed, the, how this thing has been reviewed. So right now it's 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 93%, but let me give you the split. Let me give you the breakdown. So the, how we got here is that the, the uh, average tomato meter score is 95. And what we know is... The tomato meter is the critic's score. And unfortunately, it's early days, so we don't have any written reviews from the critics, but they have it at 95 right now. The audience score, however, is at 98%. Um, And again, there's no written reviews that I can access, so we just got that 98. So I'm guessing Google was like, well, or that that 48. So I don't know where the 93 comes from, but that's what Rotten Tomatoes decided that 93% is its actual rating at the moment. And here's why I think there's a difference. I think the critics are looking at it for the piece of art that it is. And the audience, the regular Joes are looking at it as in two ways. Oh no, look at this liberal piece of of garbage coming out. You're ruining the, the Wonder Years. It was a coming of age story of a regular American boy. You don't need to make them black. You don't need to set it in Alabama. You just, the show was good as it was for people who had, who are attached to the show for nostalgia purposes. And then there's a whole group of people, I'm sure, who hate it because of the fact that it's super liberal. Like it it appears to be, oh no, we're talking about black people and racism and all of that stuff. And I don't, I don't want to hear all of that. It's just another attempt to whitewash uh, or, or brown, I don't even know if people use that term, but like to, to color history and you're changing history and I don't want to hear it and all that stuff. So basically what I'm saying is the, the 48 is a bunch of haters. Um, because if you like that type of show, you like the type of show, however it comes up. And I gotta be honest with you. I watched the first episode and it reminded me of the one episode that I watched of the wonder years with Fred Savage. And which is, and so it doesn't surprise me that Fred Savage is an executive producer on this show because 
He's got the sauce. Like if anybody should know who was around back then, who should be a part of it, it should have been the star of the doggone show to put his own, his grown emphasis on it now, his grown twist on it now. Like it makes sense. And I'm glad they actually looked into Fred Savage um, for that perspective, because I mean, the formula itself, because again, Hollywood is a, is a, there's a piece of it where there's a lot of colorism and there's a whole lot of racism and colorism. But at the end of the day, there are formula based on, they do a lot of things in, in relation to formulas, which is exactly why you can have five films come out in the same year or in the same two years that are very similar because Hollywood do love them some formulas. And if it worked once, they're going to try to make it keep working, see if it'll keep working until it doesn't work. Uh, and if you think I'm lying, look at Fast and the Furious. How many of those movies are out there now? They're going to keep making them until they can't make no movie, no money off of it. Right? There's literally nothing new about that franchise. One of the family, by the, anyway, don't get me started on that colorist franchise. Um, Colorist because it seems like all the men could be all the different shades of brown and, and dark brown and light brown and, and, and be lat, Latine and, and, and Hispanic and Asian and, and, and part of the Asian diaspora and all of that. But like the women have to look a certain way. Baby, you better be beige. If you are a lead, you better be beige. You better be in the beige category. I don't care if you're part of the Asian diaspora, Latin, Latin, Hispanic diaspora, African diaspora or not. Actually, I don't think there are too many <laughs> love interest women who are a part of the um, African diaspora. I think that's a bridge too far for them. But um, no, you better look beige, baby. I mean, can't look too pale. You got to be a little beige. And if you're pale, you got to have an edge to you. You know, they got to make your hair real curly and make you wear black. Anyway, I hate that series with a passion. It's stupid. But anyway, people enjoy that. So hooray for y'all. But there is nothing special about that series. Not a thing. The acting ain't even, ma'am, the acting ain't even, let me not, let me not, let me go on. Anyway, Fast and the Furious is a prime example of people just doing a formula because it works. Anyway, um, Tyler Perry, all of those doggone Medea films and shows, it's a formula. Now, mind you, that wasn't Hollywood. That was Tyler Perry. But like they, they, you know, and we are complicit because we be paying money to go see the same stuff over and over and over again. But anyway, let me move on because I sound like a hater right now. Let me get to the show. But anyway, I just find it ironic that the critics have this thing rated high and the audience has it rated low. Sound like some hater to me. Um, anyway, all right, so let's talk about it. So I already said that Don Cheadle was the narrator. And Don Cheadle's younger count, the 12-year-old counterpart is Elijah, is Elisha Williams, who plays Dean Williams. Don Cheadle is the older Dean Williams. Um, his father is uh, played by Dulé Hill, with his fine self, um, who plays Bill Williams, who in this show is a recording artist and, and, and like a for real recording artist. And we'll get back to that in a second. Cause I just think it's fascinating. And I wonder where it's going to go because there's something, there's something about the sixties and fame that interests me. Um, but I'll get back to that. Hopefully I remember that the point I was trying to make. Um, and then you got Lauren, Karayuki, uh, uh, Laura Karayuki as Kim Williams, um, Dean's uh, sister. And then you got um, 
Sikhan Singblo um, playing uh, Dean's mama, Lillian Williams. Um, and then there's another comedian in here that I've seen before. Um, well, okay, let me just go through it. Um, you got Milan Ray, who plays Keisha Clemens, who Dean, who's Dean's crush. You got Amari O'Neill, who plays Corey Long, who is Dean's friend. Julian Lerner, who plays Brad Hitman, who is Dean's Jewish friend. Um, and, and Alan Maldonado, who plays Coach Long, who is... Dean, Brad, and Corey's coach, and also a family friend of Lillian and something like a rival of Bill. And anyway, so that's the cast. Like I said, predominantly black cast. One uh, main cast, one little Jewish boy. Um, and yeah, and, and in even in the cast, even though Milan Ray is just brown, everybody else is a deeper shade of brown for the most part. Um, which is refreshing because you really don't see that too much on TV. You literally, you really don't. You saw that, you saw, you mostly saw that in the 90s, or at least I mostly saw that in the 90s, or at least shades of brown. All colors of brown, dark brown women and light brown women, along with the dark brown men and light brown men, and just brown men. Like, living single was my representation. Um, to a certain extent, um, Martin, although it was kind of shady how they put, how they always tried to make uh, Pam, quote unquote, the ugly one, and she was super beautiful. Um, but anyway, but the one light-skinned person was um, Tisha Campbell, but in real life, Tisha Campbell and Tashina Arnold are like best friends even to this day. So the, whatever the show was trying to do, like at the end of the day, their chemistry shone through and they were like besties and you could tell that they were best. You could tell they had a chemistry off screen. But anyway, my point is I grew up with the Cosby show who had all the ranges of brown. I had, I grew up with a different world who that had all the ranges of brown. And, um, I mean, even though those shows were coming, even though a different world and even a different world and a Cosby show were like nearing their end when I was aware, like in 92, 93, all, both of those shows were coming to their end, but I was going back looking at the reruns and I've seen all this representation. And then I'm watching in real time, I'm watching living single and I'm like, Oh shoot, I can't wait to get grown. I'm a Muji New York. And, and uh, you know, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is like my family. Everybody ain't the same color, but we're all like, we're not all the same color and that's fine. I appreciate that representation because I look like my family. Um, and there was another show whose name I forgot. Oh, Martin. Um, and even, even the, again, even though that, that Martin always dogged on Pam, I was like, um, she's beautiful. Everybody knows she's beautiful. Duh. Um, and her and her and, um, What's what was what was Tisha Campbell's character's name? Gina. Um, her and Gina were like besties, like as you could tell. So anyway, it was totally fine. So this show, I'm hoping that this show, it's ranging. I will say this: it's it's the main cast is the well, the family is mostly dark brown, but there's a range of brown shown in this show of the main cast, which I appreciate. Anyway, so I'm hoping that. I'm not inspired by this show, but I'm hoping that this show does inspire some kid. 
some kid that, that it's normal to see a range of brown on the show, on the show and not think anything of it. And to think that it's weird that uh, only a beige brown uh, black folks are represented in other shows. Like I'm anyway, I'm not going to name a bunch of shows, but you know how it is. Um, Cause the thing about it is, it's not just us in the Asian diaspora, in the Latin diaspora, we have shades to us. And it just blows my mind that it just blows my mind that Hollywood productions just do not show the range of what brown people can look like. It's just, it blows my mind, but it's not surprising to me. And then of course they fake ignorance, but whatever, that's not my problem. But moving on, let me go straight to the show. All right. So the very first episode. So I already told you in the, in the synopsis that it's the coming age story of this 12 year old boy who's living in Montgomery, Alabama. Let's just be for real for a second. Montgomery, Alabama is super important. I do not know where the Fred Savage's wonder years took place. I didn't want too much watch it. So I really don't care. But this one takes place in Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama are super important in the sixties because why bus boycotts, and desegregation in schools, right? And it's in the South, which the daring of them to, to place a predominantly black show in the, excuse me, in the South, um, because it's an ABC family show. So like, how real can you get? Um, because there's some real heavy topics that are about to come through in that time frame. But the very first episode, if there's any indication of how this show is going to talk about the past through the, uh, through the lens of this 12 year old Dean and the rest of his family. And there's, well, the past through the lens of 12 year old Dean and the reaction to these incidences, looking at the family members, it, it, this first episode is gonna, is a good indicator of that. Um, so it opens up, we're introduced to Dean. Dean is just this regular kid, regular kid in the sixties, growing up in this family who loves him. Daddy's a musician. Mama is a very popular woman, beautiful. Both of them are beautiful. Um, he's got an older sister who does older sister stuff, is sneaking out to see boys and gets in trouble. Um, but for the most part, they are, their hardest trouble is, you know, um, the daughter, uh, hold on, let me get these names together. The, uh, Kim, Kim sneaking out and not telling them, sneaking out to go see her little boyfriend, but they're making out. Um, and Dean, how can I describe it? Like they're, they're, the trouble that they get into is like minor trouble. It's not like criminal trouble, it's minor trouble. That because it, and it's it's kind of set up like the Wonder Years that I imagine the Wonder Years is supposed to be set up where this was a time where a lot of stuff was going on in the world, but life was much simpler for this family. Now that's kind of the premise that it starts on, but it doesn't end that way, and will it actually takes a turn in the in midway of the show, but or the episode, but so you know introduced to Dean, Lillian, um, Bill. Um, and Kim as this rambunctious, but loving family, daddy got a job, daddy got a day job, which I don't know what his day job is other than he's a musician and he has a song on the radio 
don't quite know what mommy does. I think she might be a homemaker, but she also like is in a lot of clubs and she supports the, uh, the kids baseball team, which is Dean. Dean is on that baseball team, the local uh, baseball team. Um, and right off the bat, you know, it's, it's a, it's morning. Actually, we're introduced to the family and morning. They're about to go to school. So they go off to school and in going off to school, that's when we start seeing, um, Corey Long, Dean's friend, Corey Long and, and his friend Brad Hitman, because they're on the bus and we see them driving by a school that was at once an all black school, but because of segregation, um, or desegregation, they stopped going to that school and now they're going to the mixed school, the, the, uh, yeah, the mixed school. Um, and so on the same bus is, um, Brad, who's a little, no, is he on the same bus? No, I don't think he's on the same bus, right? I think we first are introduced to Corey Long, um, as Dean's friend, and we are introduced to Milan Ray, who is a tough girl. No, sorry. Keisha, Keisha Clemens, Keisha Clemens, Keisha Clemens gets on that. So, so we see, we see Dean chatting it up with Corey, their besties, they're whooping it up or whatever. Cause they're friends. And then Keisha Clemens gets on, a, uh, on her stop and we're interested. We're automatically reminded or we're told Dean is in love with Keisha. He loves her so much, but at the same time, he's a child. He's 12 years old. So the best way that he's going to show her that he's really digging her is to just stare at her or to ignore her completely or do some wild kid stuff. Meanwhile, she's looking, she's making eyes at him as well. So you feel like there's a spark there that he just needs to make the move. But instead of either one of them making a move, Keisha ends up beating up a little boy for trying to take her seat or trying to mess with her at the back of the bus. And so we know instantly Keisha is a tough girl, but at the same time, she seems like a sweetheart and Dean is sweet on her. And hopefully something comes of that. Now in this moment, Corey is trying to push him to say, you need to go speak up on her. You need to go tell her how you feeling because you know, she's not going to just magically know how you feeling. You need to let her know. So anyway, so this moment passes, they get off the bus, they go into this desegregated school and that's when they see Brad. That's when Dean run, Dean and Corey run into Brad. And in this moment, they're all picked on. Brad is the little Jewish boy, so he's picked on for being a little Jewish boy. And Dean is, I guess they're picked on, there's racism in the, in the show. They kind of make light of it, but more so we, we cannot lose fact of that, that not necessarily Corey, but definitely Brad and Dean are seen as peeps, 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 squeaks, um, little nerds. And of course, you know what we do in TV shows, right? We pick on nerds. Um, in TV shows, because that's what you do, because picking on nerds is funny, right? Anyway, so of course, there are some scenes where the two of them get picked on and it's supposed to be funny, um, which it's really not. It's just that dry humor. But again, that's ABC humor to me. So maybe the ABC crowd like loves that sort of stuff that I don't. But like maybe the ABC crowd do. Anyway, so whoop, whoop, whoop. We're introduced to them and we're automatically introduced with a problem. Brad is on a baseball team, Dean and Corey are on a baseball team, but they're both segregated teams. 
So Brad and Dean and Corey concoct a plan. You know what? Let's talk. You talk. Let me, uh, Brad is like, let me go talk to my coach. And Dean is like, let me go talk to my coach. Let's play together. Let's let's have these teams play together. Now, mind you, it's the 60s. And at this point in this Alabama neighborhood, this Birmingham neighborhood or Montgomery neighborhood, um, a white team has not played against a black team. Oh, P.S. There's a really racist moment where the teacher says something said that something super racist, but I put it out of my mind because, again, I think I was just disgusted with the fact that ABC loves to water down stuff in general. I don't typically watch ABC shows, but like Dean, <laughs> Dean Corey and Brad's teacher is like super racist. It's a white woman. Um, and she says something like, see, look, this black kid is an example. You ought to be an example. You, you ought to be like y'all. Uh, I think I don't know if they said the N word, but y'all need to be like the this um, this black kid. And they were talking about Dean. And so, of course, that made Dean an even bigger target because now he's seen as like an Uncle Tom sort of thing. But anyway, but flash forward. And so Dean, Corey and Brad concoct a plan that their two baseball teams are going to try to they're going to try to convince their coaches to play with to play against each other. And and so that's kind of the move for the show. And so Dean goes home and he tells his dad that, yeah, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the coach. Um, um, or no, I take it back. Bill finds out somehow through the conversation with Dean that Dean asked his coach to play his, his, uh, Brad's team, his all white, Brad's all white team, um, in the upcoming scrimmage, I guess. And, and Bill gets upset. Cause he's like, we don't do that. We, cause basically Bill is the type we buy black. We go to black schools. We go to black uh, churches. We go to black, um, black owned everything, black owned restaurants, black owned stores, black owned everything. We go there. Even if we're paying a little bit higher, we're still going to go to black owned things because we can sustain ourselves. And so why we got to play the black, why we got to play the white kids to seem like we got, like we're legitimate, which is a very fine point, except that Dean just wants to play against his friend because... He just wants to play against his friends. That's kind of how it's set up. Um, and so right there, I kind of call, that's some old whack type stuff. Cause how could you possibly make a case? I just think that that was a little too kind of trifling for me because supporting your community is a real thing. And to me, you shouldn't conflate playing baseball with the white team as with as the same thing as literally putting food on the table of a grocer or of uh, uh, teachers in this particular universe. You know what I mean? Like these conversations aren't conflated. Y'all playing baseball together is not the same as us making sure this black grocer gets gets the money that he deserves. But like, I, I just wish they was tackled in a different way, but whatever, this is the show. And that's kind of ABC's MO. They really don't go too deep and they kind of conflate a bunch of things. So anyway, so after some back and forth and some prodding by um, Lillian, Dulé, or excuse me, Bill, um, relents and he's like, okay, well, let's, you know, talk to the coach, make it, make it so. And so it's set up that, it's set up that the two teams are going to play against each other. Um, and so the day of the play comes. 
the day of the game comes and everybody suits up and, you know, some, uh, uh, Bill, not Bill, um, Brad, Brad's family, I guess we, we can describe Brad's Jewish family as being, could have been a part of the freedom fighters or whatever. And so Brad was taught that, you know, nobody's, we're not different because of the color of our skin and all of that. So, you know, I guess Brad and his family easily convinced this predominantly white team to play against these, this predominantly black team, which I think seems again, very ABC, very ABC, very ABC, but whatever. Um, Cause it just doesn't seem real that this little Jewish kid, first off, let's be for real. Whiteness has a privilege and there was a time and it, just go with me and let's be for real. There was a time where Italian folks, Irish folks and Jewish folks were not considered white. And it was only those folks that were considered Protestant uh, Protestants who were truly the white folks. Right. Like Gangs of New York is a gr- prime example of how people who didn't see themselves as immigrants looked at immigrants, even though that they were the same color as them, as at dirty as dirty and not white but obviously jewish folks uh italian folks and irish folks merged into the class of whiteness and so i guess what i'm saying is even in the 60s jewish folks hadn't quite merged into that class just yet because what we know is that even in baltimore even in baltimore there was was it druid hill was it druid the the um swimming pool at druid hill it said no blacks, no dogs, no blacks, and no Jews, right? So like Jewish folks didn't assimilate into whiteness until kind of more recently. And even then it's still kind of, there's some anti-Semitic people just rolling around here. Like anti-Semitism is rampant like across the country because of the climate we're living in now. But even, but still there's a few more privileges that have been given for the most part. So like, but in this moment, I just find it hard to believe that this little Jewish boy went to his family and his family was like, all right, let's go talk to these white people and let's get this whole white team to play with this black kid, this black team and let us not all be racist. Like, I just, I don't buy it. First off, I don't buy that this little Jewish kid was going to be on this white team because they were probably looking at him like he was an other too. So, but whatever, it's this, it's the ABC. So we're going to go with it. Anyway, so the two teams come together and they're playing whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, And of course, Dean sucks. Dean is not a good baseball player at all. But the real gag is that Bill and um, Coach Long, and it just occurred to me that Coach Long is the dad of Corey Long. But anyway, Coach Long and Bill do not get along. Bill thinks that Coach Long is trying to make moves on Lillian. And so Bill comes out to the game, but he's more so just trying to coach, trying to out-coach Coach Long. And so Dean gets it. They're all trying to give Dean, they're both trying to give Dean, um, they're both trying to give Dean uh, instructions. But of course, like Dean is kind of caught in this little corny place. This is like a corny show trick, but Dean is caught in this place where he's trying to determine whose voice does he listen to my daddy's or my coaches. And so in the meantime, it's clear that the mixed messages make him 
make fumbles on the on the uh, field, and he's not a very good baseball player to begin with. And so anyway, the t- the the show, the 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 TV show, um, not the show, but the game is going on, and then I don't even think it ends satisfactorily so much as. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if it's supposed to be, I don't know if it's supposed to be Brad's family or somebody who is like liberal white, a liberal white family comes to, to, um, Bill and, and, uh, Lillian. I think Kim is there. I can't remember, but Bill and Lillian and say, I'm so sorry. And I think I think at this point the game is about over, or if it's not actually over, and the the predominantly black team, like Dean's squad, like is losing or lost. And anyway, so this liberal white family, the, the husband and wife, come up and they're like, "I'm so sorry about the news." And and Bill and Lillian are like, "What you talking about?" They at first they're thinking about the game, and then the white couple really realizes that. Bill and Lillian don't know, and actually the team don't know that at this moment, Dr. Martin Luther King has been pronounced, has been assassinated. This is, um, the date of this game is uh, March 4th, 1968. Um, right? Is that when he, is it April 4th? April, no. 4th, hold on. Hold on, April 4th, 1968. Yeah, April 4th. April 4th, 1968. Um, and it's, it struck me as odd because in April, it's still kind of cold. But like everybody was out and they were kind of a little sleeveless. Like they only had like light little things over them, like suit jackets or not even that. It almost felt as if they were playing baseball in the summer, which seems odd to me because who in the heck, like I know climate change is real, but like it'd be snowing in April. I don't care if you're in the South, you're not walking around with bare legs and, and no sweater and coat on. You have a coat on in April, but what do I know? Maybe that April was particularly warm. But anyway, so the day that they're playing the game is the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. And at this point, the mood of the show completely changes. Everybody is somber now. And one of the things that a lot of shows tend to get right about the time period is that all they had is radio back in back then they had radio stations and or local radio stations and then they had a few TV channels that they could get. And so what did people do? People ran home and they went around and they sat around their TV. And so that's what the Williamses did and Coach Long actually because he's also at the end of the day a family friend like he knows Lillian he also grew up with Bill he comes back and so does Corey come back uh to the Williams's house and everybody's just sitting around watching the TV including Kim which we'll come back to Kim in a minute but Dean is like man I'm just gonna I don't really know how to feel. And this is Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is is narrating this. He's like, I really didn't know how to feel. So I'm going, I'm going to hang out with Corey, Corey, my friend at our spot, which is a spot behind the old school that was shuttered because all the black kids were being bused to the desegregated school. Um, So anyway, he got on his bike and he goes to that school and he's going to meet up with Corey and in trying to meet up with Corey, because he's like, this this seems way too heavy for me. 
but I'm going to, I want to just chill with my friend and kind of talk, you know, kind of chop it up with him, just kind of see how he's feeling. He comes across Corey making out with his boo, Keisha. They're on a swing set and they're kissing. And at this point, he feels sad. And I'm, I'm feeling betrayed for Dean because Corey knew, Corey knew that Dean liked him. But what Dean didn't understand was that Corey was telling him to make a move because Corey liked her. So, and, and Keisha is just like, you know, it's, it's whatever. Like, I know where Keisha, I know where Milan Ray is from. Milan Ray is from, um, that movie with Issa, Issa Rae and Marcel Marseille. Uh, the, the big or the, the, that show where she trade, it was like a trading places sort of thing. That's why I know that little girl. Cause I was like this little cute face. I know this little cute face from something. That's where she's from. She's from that, that Marcel Marseille show. And, um, did I just say the name of that mime? Anyway, the Issa Rae and, uh, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That little big, I think it's called big or something like that. Anyway, it came out like three or four years ago. But anyway, that's why I know that little boo-boo. Anyway, um, but yeah, but Keisha is just like, it's whatever. Dean hasn't come on to me. She, I don't even think she's thinking about him like that in the moment. She's looking at Corey, who's come on to her. And so the show ends in two ways. We see that, let me back up for a second. We see Dean's heartbroken by Corey, his best friend, Corey. And now it's kind of set up to like, how are they going to be friends going forward? Like, how, how is that going to work between, how's their friendship going to work out now? And he's still going to be pining for Keisha. But let me back up. And I didn't say a whole lot about Kim. Kim is in there. Kim is, is really super smart. She's like the golden child of the family. She's also very pretty. So, of course, she has little boyfriends that she goes out and sneaks out to go see. Of course, she gets in trouble by her, fam- by her parents because they just want her to do right and, and go to school. You know, get do her SATs so she can go to school. And obviously, she's going to go to a predominantly black, like an HBCU. Um, and so, there's a point in the show where she's supposed to be studying for her AC- her. A- for her SATs or ACTs. Um, anyway, and at the end of the show, again, because the, the family, everybody was notified that Martin Luther King was assassinated. What we see is that instead of Kim, instead of Kim um, reading, uh, studying her SAT, she's actually reading, I think she was reading Soul on Ice. Soul on Ice by, uh, why is that significant? Hold on. I used to know who that was made by. Soul, Soul on Eldridge Cleaver. Now, did that come out in the 60s? Oh. Yeah, it was published in 68. And so she's reading, she's reading Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver of the Black Panther Party. And so it's clear that in this moment... We see a couple of things happening. We see 12-year-old Dean having his first heartbreak. We see, we see Bill, Lillian, and Coach Long coming to terms with they're all just friends and we can work this out. Also, I forgot to mention that at the breakfast table, Bill's hit song is on the radio, but it's like they celebrate it, but then he has to go to work. And that kind of reminds me of what it used to be 
what it used to be back in the 60s where fame wasn't as instant as it kind of is now, although just because you have a hit record today doesn't mean that you automatically have a lot of money, but it just it just kind of underscores how these people had to go to work. After they first hit, they still had to go to work at the at the steel mill or wherever. The the the, the typing hall or, or you know, whatever they were doing. They still had to go do that day job until there was a point where they where somebody picked them up, some record label picked them up and you know, they st- started to the money started to come in. Or the royalties start or the advances started to come in rather. But no, so like his show was on the radio and then he had to go to work and everybody else went to school or or did their due. Like they celebrated for that moment and then everybody left. Um but anyway, so at the end of the film we see that you know, Bill, Coach Long, and Lillian are trying to find some sort of truce. Um, Bill not being so jealous about Lillian. Lillian just trying to trying to do better for the community and her kids and just trying to help out wherever she can. And Coach Long just trying to be a good coach. Um, and at the end of the day, they're all three kind of figuring out how to move forward together in this grief of... Uh, the assassination of their leader, one of their most promising young leaders. Because remember, regardless of what Martin Luther King looks like, that dude was 38 years old. He was not in his 50s. That dude was 38. Wait, was he? Hold on. Pretty sure he was 38. Martin Luther King age at death. It's pretty trifling. He was 39. Okay, so I wasn't wrong. Um, yeah, he was super young. Uh, well, not super young, but he wasn't... It wasn't like he was a spring chicken, but he wasn't old. Anyway, um, so yeah, so... So you see them coming to terms. You see Dean dealing with his first heartbreak like it's super fresh. He's avoiding... The, he's not ready to deal with heavy stuff, the heaviness of Dr. Martin Luther King's death. But like the biggest tragedy in his life right now is really the fact that he thinks he's lost this girl of his dreams to his best friend. And how to navigate that space as a 12 year old is going to be something that obviously we're gonna see in the next episode. But the other thing that I'm interested in learning more about is Kim and how she turns because it's clear that Kim is going to turn militant, quote unquote militant. And so it'll be interesting to see how the show how this show talks about her political, her rising and differing political views to her parents. Like how, like how her views are going to differ and how the family is going to deal with that and how Dean is going to deal with all of that change in his family, plus the, the climate in school, plus the fact that his best friend kissed his girl, his, his, his girl in his head and and how they're going to navigate possession because again it kind of feels like he had possession of her but like he didn't open his mouth to say anything to her so it's going to be interesting that relationship dynamics are going to be tested here um and but in a very abc way so i can't i can't expect that it's going to be done in a deep way it's abc and again when i'm saying abc they tend to water things down um as evidenced by the thing that this first episode, right? But they still did hit heavy issues. So I do expect them to continue to hit heavy issues. If this show continues to run for years to come, like there's going to be a lot for them to to talk about. Um, so yeah, that's the first episode in a nutshell. 
I don't know if I'll watch the next episode. I might just to see how they address, how they how they continue the conversation about the loss of Dr. King and then the riots. Because what we know is in, me, in the days following the, the announcement that Dr. King was assassinated, the country, major cities across the country where black folks were, when uh, the, the, it was it was an uprising. It was an uprising in Baltimore, in, in, in Baltimore and Philly, in DC, in New York, in, in Detroit, in Kansas City, in, in all the, the major the major uh, metropolitan areas across like Los Angeles, the major metropolitan areas across the country where black folks were, the it was it was a um, it was an up uh, it was an uprising. So anyway, we'll see how the show addresses that. So I'll watch this second episode and I'll just take it one episode at a time to determine if I'm going to keep watching this daggone show. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that's that's that on that on that. Um, appreciate you for listening today. I just realized that I haven't been counting I didn't have my special watch on and so now I'm putting it on suckers anyway um yeah that's the show that's the show for today if you this is what I want to know if you watch the 90s wonder years if you watch the 90s wonder years and you think you may watch this show this first episode or you have watched it or you have feelings about why you don't want to watch this one, send me a message. I want to hear about it. Because I, I told you, I didn't watch The Wonder Years because I'm like, why well, I'm watching this predominantly white show? I'm, mm, I don't really care that much um, about this particular show. So I never watched it. So I don't know how this, show, how this version of The Wonder Years is different than the 90s version of The Wonder Years. I don't know how, what heavy topics that show handled and whether or not this show is doing a better job of it. I don't even know where the wonder years from the nineties was set. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, I I like, I think the wonder years from the nineties was set in the seventies, whereas this one is set in the sixties, late, the late sixties moving into the seventies, which is a completely different view of history from black folks perspective. Um, So anyway, I'm curious to hear how the shows are different, how they're similar and whether or not, like you genuinely just don't want to watch it because this new version, because it's Lee Daniels or the fact that you don't want to ruin your good feels that you had for the show from the nineties. Like, cause just because I didn't want to watch it doesn't mean that this thing doesn't, didn't hold uh doesn't that black folks don't have a special place. Black folks, my age don't have a special place in their heart for the Fred Savage wonder years. Cause I, Let's be like Golden Girls has a, has a uh, place in my heart and ain't too many black people in that show at all. The entire cast is predominantly is white um, with a few people with a few Latin and, and Hispanic and a few black people and maybe a one or two Asian folks sprinkled in the middle. Let's be clear. But like I have a place in my heart for the Golden Girls. So, you know. I, I, I open up that. I, I, I give you that space. But I want to know, if you're not watching it, why aren't you watching it? If you are watching it, what are you looking for? What are you hoping to be different? Anyway, so so click the show notes and leave me that message. And I will definitely listen to it. And in the next episode, I'll respond to it. Um, meanwhile, if you want to rate the show favorably or what have you, um, 
help me out by helping spread the reach of the show by sharing this episode with somebody you think might dig it or, or, or any other episode that, that somebody in your friend group might enjoy. That would be kind of cool. Um, cause at the end of the day, this is a hobby. Never forget. This is a hobby that I do. It's not like I'm, I can quit my day job and do this. Um, I, I consider it, but I'd have to like be making money and I'm not making dollars off of this. So it's just a thing that I do. So I appreciate you in helping me continue to do this thing. So rating this thing is how you're going to help me. So four or five stars, um, if you please, if that's not something you want to do, then you can just not rate the show at all and keep it pushing. Okay. All right. Thank y'all so much. I hope you have a marvelous day. And if your day isn't marvelous today, I hope tomorrow is better. Okay. Um, take care of yourself. Give the people that deserve the flowers in your life, give them their flowers, um, receive compliments, learn how to take compliments, learn how to give them. When people, when people around you succeed, that's not a diss on you. That just, that, that, that's just more energy for you to do the very best that you can. But let's celebrate people while we can celebrate their accomplishments because you don't know what it took for them to get there. Um, all right. Have a great day. Until next time.